0: Tonight we're going to be looking at a, at a passage, we're just going to, I'm going to jump into it in just a moment, just open your Bibles right now, the book of 1 Kings 13, and uh, we're going to read a lot of this, this piece by piece by piece, so just go there with me and, 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 and then hang with me there, 1 Kings 13, and uh, we're going to be uh, praying in a moment and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into it. Uh, it is a joy to be able to serve the Lord, and it is, uh, it is something when you get to come back to a place and to uh, be in a, in, a, in a place where you, you've, you've seen it years before and, and you, you know people there that, and you love them, it is a far greater joy to come back to the same place and find the people are still there. <laughs> and there is, I cannot describe to you until you've had the opportunity to come back and find people not there and how much it makes your heart truly sick <laughs> than to come back to a place and have the joy of, of seeing people who have been faithful year after year after year and then to come back and not to feel that horrible sinking feeling as you realize oh (laughs) they've added this in (laughs) and uh, wow when did they change like that and thank you so much that in one way you've changed you've gotten bigger you've added more people you've gone out and reached new people and I know that, that this church has also been a sending church, even in the fact that people will come here and they will grow, and then this church, by just circumstance, by economic circumstance, by the fact they're transferred out, but you end up sending them out. And just the same way that Barnabas was sent out to Antioch because they were, they were not sent as missionaries or as pastors, church planners, but there was simply a work in Antioch that just happened to, to be, just come into being because believers from Jerusalem had just gone out, and so this church has had an impact in that sense as well. So it's it's a it's a joy. Thank you for being faithful, and for me it's it's a it's a refreshing time, even more than just uh, just the music. It's, it's also the fact who's singing, and who's playing these instruments, and to say, wow, thank you, Lord, they're still here, still serving the Lord. It's just such a joy. Let's pray together, and we'll jump into First Kings chapter thirteen. Dear Jesus. This is your book, and you gave it to us. Thank you for your word. And, Fathers, we get ready to to study it. Father, we once again admit to you that it's deep. And, Father, there's so much truth in here. And, Lord, we want to rightly divide it. Father, I pray that tonight you help me to be a help. Lord, I pray that this message would not hinder your work, but instead it would advance it in every heart. Lord, I pray for those who don't know why they're here tonight. I pray that you please help them to be glad they came. I pray for any person here that wishes they weren't here right now. Lord, if there's some young person in here who is irritated that they're here right now, I pray that that young person would leave here glad they were here. I pray for those who longed to be here tonight, who couldn't wait to come in these doors tonight. I pray that they would not leave disappointed. I pray they'd feel that they were fed tonight. I pray that you please help my children, Father, who have heard their daddy preach before already many times. I pray that they would still leave here having their hearts helped. I pray that you please now bless this family as we come together on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. First Kings chapter 13. This is a strange story. We're about to go into it. We're going to read this tonight. And I'll be honest with you, there's some questions about this I don't have an answer to. But we're going to read this tonight. This is in God's Word, and, and this incident really happened. And if you've read it before, you may be like me. You may already be looking at this saying, oh, yeah, that chapter. This chapter is, has an interesting story. I love the way this, this chapter starts. If I were to make a, 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 i will just put it. this first 10 verses here would make an amazing movie. It's like the climax of a great movie. Let's look at it. In Verse number one, it says, and behold, there came a man of God. That just right there just sounds awesome, doesn't it? There came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Now, Jeroboam was the first king of the divided Israel. He was king not by his own volition. He was king because God Almighty called him to be the king. But Jeroboam, once he was king, made some bad decisions because he had to fix some problems. The fact that there was an altar here was an abomination to the Lord. And Jeroboam had put it there. He put it there because he was trying to solve a very real and practical problem. He was worried that being divided from Judah, his people who had been from their youth growing up with the law of God They were used to traveling to Jerusalem to worship. And all the ceremonies each year happened in Jerusalem. The temple was located in Jerusalem. All sacrifices happened in Jerusalem. And Jeroboam knew that even though politically they were divided, that his people would go every year to Jerusalem. And that eventually he feared one day it was very evident to him That one day, they would realign themselves to King Rehoboam. And then they would kill him. To him, Jeroboam, it was a very real, true danger. So he had to, in a certain sense, figure out a way to keep his people from traveling down Jerusalem on a regular basis for important events. So he constructed this altar. He made two calves, put them on either end of his, his kingdom. So now here he is. He has invented a religion. And this is him right here. He is practicing his religion. God had raised him up. And now he was violating the mandate that God had given him. God had said, I will take responsibility for keeping you on the throne. And if you will fear me, you and your coming generations will all be on the throne of these 10 tribes. It was God's responsibility, not Jeroboam's. Jeroboam's responsibility was to fear God And just do what he was supposed to do. But he didn't. So God has sent this young man, this man of God. Verse number two. This man of God cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David. Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee. And the men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar, sh- this, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. Now, I admire that. I think that's really awesome. Can you imagine the scene in your mind? But be careful because this really happened. But it's easy for us just to accept the fact that it's happened without realizing what this really meant. Apparently this, well, apparently this is what happened. He had been called out of of Judah. Now this is happening not in Judah. This is happening in Israel, divided. He had just come from Judah because the Lord had told him to. Now, I don't know how often you go soul winning. I don't know if you've ever gone and done street preaching. Now, some folks, I think, have a gift for it. At least they really put on a good face that it seems to them like they like it. It's hard for me. It's really difficult. As a teenager, every Friday night, there was street preaching. My best friend's dad ran it. I went sowing on Thursday nights. That was hard enough. Sowing, door-to-door. People I didn't know, knocking on their door, interrupting their evening to invite them to church to see if they were open, to maybe talking about the gospel. That was hard. Then there was street preaching. Downtown San Diego. On a corner. And you go out there and There's Brother Stevenson. He's in heaven now. Amen, Brother. And he'd go out there with his gigantic Bible. And he would stand there and preach. And there I was, passing out tracks, hoping that the time would go slow before it was my turn. Some other brother would get up there. He seemed so confident. He'd preach, and he would say great things. Amen. And I didn't pretty soon. It was, hey, for the will. Do you want to preach? No? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yes, I mean, yes, yes, yes. What am I doing? <laughs> then you step up there and you feel like everybody is looking at you. And you feel embarrassed. And you just say, Lord, this is for you. And you put your Bible to your mouth, you just pick a verse and you say, For God so loved the world. You start preaching. Just put your whole heart into it. And when you're done, you say, Thank you, Jesus, for the chance to be a witness for you. It's hard to do. This is on a different level. This young man left his house. That morning, he 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 started walking. He had to walk all the way to Israel, Bethel. I think he was nervous. But as he actually saw the gates of the city, he probably had his nervousness go to a whole new level. He had those butterflies as he walked through those gates and he started inquiring, uh, excuse me, where's the temple? <laughs> where's the palace? Where are the, oh, okay, thank you, thank you. And then there they are. There's those guards either side of the door. <clears throat> I, I don't know. I just, I just got to go to Washington, D.C. and, and, and uh, I, I felt just like, they were gonna ask me for my ID everywhere I went. But this guy, as he walked up and says, uh, yes, he just walked straight past him. If he had said, "Uh, hi, I have a message. Uh, what's your message? I'm supposed to curse his life? go home. That's not gonna happen, right? I imagine as they said, uh, excuse me, he just walked straight in. <laughs> kept walking. I bet he just wanted to get it over with. He finally goes up there and, and there's these these officials and these priests, maybe some bodyguards standing back there. And as they're sitting there with the incense, there's a smoke going up. All of a sudden this man comes in. You think his voice might have cracked the first time? Oh altar! Altar! Oh altar! Altar! You know? He just starts going into his, his words that God had told him to say. And he does it. You know the next thing that happens? exactly what you would expect. King Jeroboam, these are real people. He's a man of incredible authority. And there's this pipsqueak just coming in there ruining his worship time. He knew what he had done was in violation to the prophet who had given him his calling that day had given him. When that prophet had ripped his garment into 12 pieces. And Jeroboam's going, what are you doing? And that prophet handed 10 of those pieces to him, said, you're gonna be king. That man had given him a mandate to obey God's law. And now in front of everyone, as far as all of his ministers, all the officials that were gathered there for that moment of worship, this young man is condemning his style of worship in front of all his staff. This is a king. A king has a certain amount of power. The king in verse number four says this, and it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, "Lay hold on him. What were you expecting? <laughs> what did you expect him to do? He did exactly what you expect him to do, didn't he? And there's this young man. does this thing, and the word of the Lord said it, "Lay hold on him. This is an awesome moment. And his hand, verse number four, the last part of it, which he had put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. Isn't that awesome? God just stuck right by his man. And God just, in a second, reverses the whole situation. In just a moment. This, this young man who comes in with great courage, courage, with great dedication to his calling. He has the most incredible moment of his ministerial career as he cries out, not to his, in his little village to the people about doing right. and No, this is talking about the king of the, of the largest of the two, the larger of the two uh, divided nations there. And he cries against that king in front of all these men, these ministers. And that king says, Lay hold on him. That's so cool. And I imagine there's that young man, oops, uh, what are you going to do now? Thank you, Lord. This is awesome. Then at the exact same moment, this rock altar put together with mortar does this in verse 5. And the altar, imagine the sound of that thing cracking in half. And the altar also was rent. And the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Imagine that puff of ash smoke going up as it just falls apart, two huge pieces. One falls this way, one falls that way. And there's this king looking at his hand and his altar and his altar. This is incredible. Woohoo! This is our team. And the king answered and said to the man of God, Um, entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me that my hand might be restored me again. Oh, oh, oh. oh now you need my help, do you? See you! Ha ha ha! No, he didn't do that. You know what? This is a good man of God. This man was seconds away from ending his life. And everybody knew it. And suddenly you want my help. And this good man did exactly that. And the man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him again and became as it was before. And the king put his arm around the young man, the man of God, and said, Come home with me, pal, and refresh thyself, and I will give the reward. Wow, isn't this awesome? Suddenly this withered hand that is now restored comes around his shoulder. (laughs) Hey, come on, let's go to the palace. Let's have some food. Let's have a meal together. Now, as far as it goes... That would have been a great moment. But verse number eight, and the man of God said unto him, the king, if thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the, hand of the, by the word of the Lord saying, eat no bread nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Isn't that awesome? This is incredible. I love this story. Just walks away. And there's Jeroboam watching him go. Go down with me now just a few verses. In the story, it's a couple hours later, a few hours later, verse 24. And when he was gone, this is that young man, remember he just left. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. What? He just, wait just waited, he just did this? <laughs> what? Let me try it again. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way. And the ass stood by it. And the lion also stood by it the carcass God had just gone to great length to save this young man's life now he's dead he never made it home what happened what went wrong let's go back verse 11 let's go back what how how is this possible how could it, how could God send a young man on this mission he accomplished the, accomplishes the mission to perfection. He has a chance to even disobey the command God had given him not to eat or drink by going to the greatest place in their whole country to eat and drink. He could have gone to a palace. He had never had palace food before. This is his chance to enjoy the delicacies of what the king, only kings, got to eat. And he could have enjoyed a reward in doing so. How much money, whatever you'd given him, clothes, I don't know. He didn't know, but he had decided to obey God and forego that and turn around and go home. But he never made it. Instead, as he was riding on his ass, a lion sprang upon him and ripped his spinal cord out, and that man fell by the wayside and his ass did not go charging into the brush. didn't run away. The ass just stood there. And even more strange, the lion did not grab that body and go off into the brush and devour it. Instead, he left it there and then the lion himself just stood there. This happened long enough so that people coming down the road all of a sudden said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. Hey, there's a body over there. There, there, there. There's a guy over there. See that? And the lion right there. What the, what is this? What happened? Verse 11. He just, in, he just walked out from Jeroboam's presence. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel and the words which he had spoken unto the king. Them they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon. And he went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that came us from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, I am a prophet, also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. Then he went back with them and, and did eat bread in his house and drink water. And it came to pass, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, forasmuch as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but came us back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come into the sepulcher of thy fathers. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, had drunk that he settled him in the ass to wit, the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way and the ass stood by it. And the lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way, heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. And he spake to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. And he went and found his carcass, cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. And the lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave and mourned over him saying, Alas, my brother. And it came to pass, after they had buried him, that he spake to his son saying, when I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against the houses of the high places, which are in the cities of Samaria, shall surely come to pass. In this story there are questions that I have. I know that this old prophet was a real prophet. I know that he actually took an effort to send folks to go get this young man and bring him back. I'm reading the story and I can see right here that he had to convince the young man to violate the leading that God had given him. This story is a, it really happened. And it's a strange story in many ways because it gives me so many questions. And tonight I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the same questions that come to my mind. And I'm gonna tell you the answer that I have come up with for each of these questions. And I hope it'll help you tonight. The first question that I have, of course, is this question. Since he already had, obviously, prophets that were real prophets right there in Bethel, why did God not send one of the prophets from Israel? Why did he go to the trouble to bother somebody in Judah to go and do this? Having thought about it, i tell you my answer. My answer is this. I don't know. I have my suspicions, maybe because they were all backslidden. But honestly, I don't know. It was an interesting question, though. It would have been just basically go across the street and go do this, old prophet. But he didn't. I don't know why. Well, that's the first question. First, the second question that I have is this. Why did God command the young man to not eat or drink? Think about it. God had a reason. He wanted him to leave his house, walk several hours at least, and never take a drink to walk into a place where he's going to be nervous and scared with a parched throat to deliver this message and then still not be allowed to drink. To walk back on an empty stomach and a parched throat all the way back home. Why? Having thought about it, I'll tell you, this is the best answer I come up with. I have no idea. I can tell you this, this is an unusual command. This is not the norm. This is not how God usually does it. In fact, you go back and look at Moses, God never told him something like this. Go ahead, look at Samuel, Nathan, all the other great prophets that came before. They were never told. And by the way, when you're going to give David this message, don't drink anything. Okay. Never told him that. It's unusual. Another thing I noticed about this, this thing, I, I don't understand why, God never bothered to tell this young man, this man of God, why. He never told him why. He just said, don't do it. What? And I think the, the young man's response was the right response. As he's there Eating his Cheerios that morning, all of a sudden the word of Lord came. Man of God. Yes, sir, Lord. Go tell Jeroboam such and such. And don't eat and don't drink and make sure you come back by a different road. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. God didn't say, because, he never told him. He just said, don't do it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that this, on some level, was an unkind command. This made his journey less pleasant. This made it a little bit more difficult. but it was still God's command. I don't know why God said it, but God said it. I have another question when I'm reading this story that percolates in me. Why did the young man stop under that oak tree and rest? I mean, isn't he hungry? <laughs> should not he just get, hurry up and get home? <laughs> why, why, why did he stop? He had a head start on any nefarious prophet sons who would try to kill him by getting him to come back. I mean, who could have guessed? But at least he had a head start on these people he didn't know were trying to just, I mean, he had a head start. If he just would have kept walking, he would have come home. They were able to find him because they suddenly came to this oak tree and there he is. I don't think he's chewing on grass. He's not allowed to eat anything, right? He just propped against a tree. There's his ass. He's sitting there. Almighty God, What is he doing? I don't know. I haven't heard many messages preached on this, but the message I've heard every single time has been, don't stop, just go finish the job. Just don't be lazy. Just get it done. Otherwise, a lion's going to get you. And I think there's, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. Why? I don't know why he stopped, but he did. Oh, let's keep going. Why did the old prophet go to so much trouble to bring the young man of God back to his home? I don't know. But he did. I can tell you this, for sure. It sure made that young man of God feel special. Sir, sir, um, um, my dad wants you to come home with us, to eat with us. Can you imagine when that old man came up to him? Oh, are you the old prophet, the man of God? Oh uh, yeah, um, uh, I'm, I'm Brother Miracle. Yes, I'm an old prophet, I've been there, yeah, many years, many years. Uh, 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 let's go on home. I can't. Oh, no, 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 let's go on home. We're gonna f- feed you, we're gonna house you. Doctor so-and-so wants to spend time with me. With me? I'm a nobody. I have no name. I'm just the man of God. I, wow, this is my big day in every way. This is my reward for having not disobeyed God. Why, why did he do that? I don't know, but I know this, that, that young man, if it had been me, would have felt pretty special that this man, this old man had traveled so far Getting his, his, his donkey to go, come on, come on. And this little old man comes, come with me. Wow. I also think it would have made me feel obligated. It would have been kind of a lot of pressure just to say, yes, sir. Let's go. Next question. This is the big one. Why did the old prophet lie? He flat out lied to him. He said an angel had told them. An angel told me. An angel directly told me that this is okay for you. I have come all the way here to give you the new message. Yes, yes, until now this has been that right way. Right, good, and you have done so well that now God has given you a new message through me. Trust me. He lied to him. This is, this, this is, this is a real prophet. And yet this real prophet who really had and would hear God's voice lying to him. So strange. Why? Why? I don't know. Neither can we know why men of God condone and encourages beliefs and behaviors that God detests. If it happened here, it could happen again, where someone who truly is, someone who knows God, is called of God, is in the ministry, like legitimately, he's he's, he's, he's a true man of God, could lie to you and tell you that something is okay to do and that God has shown him that it's okay for you to do and could be flat out lying. But why would he? I, I, I don't know. But this would happen. Let me ask you one more question. Why did God punish the young man with death? Okay, he... he <laughs> He drank some water. He ate some bread. He made it almost all the way back. Are you unaware that this guy lied to him in your name? And your, your man said, I mean, this young man believed that an angel had superseded your original command and said, okay, you've done it well enough. And you lie, tear why i don't know but i know that god is sovereign this is true sovereignty the fake sovereignty which is very popular in our, in our time is that god cannot make decisions but god can make any decision he wants. I also know that God knows. What I mean by that is that God knows what you don't know. He knows all the facts. In this passage, he's related to us some of the facts. He knows all of it. And I can tell you thirdly that God is just. I don't see it. doesn't matter. I don't think he should have done that. You're not sovereign. He is. You don't know everything he does. And he's just. Why? I don't know. Here's what we learned, though. We learned something very surprising. When this young man was tempted in the greatest way that heathendom could tempt him. He stood strong. When he was standing in front of the man who had the most power, the most authority, the best clothes, the biggest palace, and said, come home with me, buddy. Let's have a meal together. At that moment, this young man stood strong and said, I will not eat a crumb. I will not drink a drop. Let me give you a reward. I will not take a dime. But when the prophet was old and experienced, had authority, was rational, was convinced oh, no, no, you can come home with me. An angel told me. When he was that convincing, when the man of God said it was okay, this young man fell. What the world could not do, a man of God got him to do. Hollywood couldn't do it! No, I will not watch that filth. No, 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 I'm a man of God. Amen. Look at those pyrotechnics and those light displays. Look at all the people and the screaming and the dancing. Do you want to come? No, not me. I stand for the fundamentals, righteousness, and holiness. Amen. When the little girls come by with their little provocative clothes and they come dancing by, do you want to be tempted by me? No. No. I will not set the wicked thing from my eyes. Wow, that's amazing. So what happened to you? How did you end up changing? Because Dr. So-and-so, well, you know that ministry. Have you read this book? Tonight, I'm going to tell you something that I think you should never forget. You, if you are a believer here tonight, have the Holy Spirit of God living in you as an individual. You need a church. You are commanded to assemble. But ultimately, you have a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit of God, if he speaks to you, may not tell you why. And what he might tell you to do might be inconvenient. And he may not tell you why. And when your kids say, why, dad? You might sit there and try to fumble for a reason, but ultimately just, I just don't feel this right. When you cannot explain why, you still should obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. I wish we could figure out all the whys. I wish we were all experts in music. I wish we were all experts in how the physiology of how the human body works and how lust takes place. And I wish we knew all that stuff. I wish we knew exactly why we are supposed to have men do this role and women serve in this role. I wish we knew all that stuff. I wish we did. Maybe you were an expert in one of those areas and you could could explain to us why. (laughs) I try. I try to rationalize and figure it out and think and think and think and think and try to understand why does the Holy Spirit of God put this in me? William Miracle, why does this to me seem wrong and just the Holy Spirit just will not allow me in good conscience to do or to participate in that? But in some level, I don't know why. The Holy Spirit has just given that to me. And even if I can't come to the place where I figure out to the nth degree why, I'm still supposed to obey the Holy Spirit. That's good. There are churches this day that were populated by wonderful, old, godly ladies. And they participated today in a style of worship that would have caused them great scandal a few decades ago, but they know they're supposed to be faithful, and their man of God has let them know that their discomfort in their souls is unjustified, and that it's okay for them to participate, and instead of getting out of that church that they have built and their blood, sweat, and tears has gone into for all these decades and come to a little humble place like this. Instead, they remain week after week because they have been lied to. Why? It's not my job to figure out why. So you're trying to say that I'm a man of God? Probably a man of God. I don't know. When you can't Explain what you know in your heart to be right through logic. Just obey anyway. I'm saying to you right now that when your child starts playing the app and you look at it one time and there's just something about it, and your first reaction is to say, No, 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 let's not do that. Mod is your teenager. (laughs) They, they want to do it. <laughs> and they say, Why? What's wrong with it? I don't have a PhD in this stuff. I don't know. It's some, um, it's just that, see how dark it looks? Oh, uh, well, yeah, it's nighttime. Oh, dark, nighttime's often dark. <laughs> I just see how that, I don't know, it's kind of ghoulish and stuff. Well, it sounds just ghoulish. It's just a little, you know, blood is natural. <laughs> okay play your game. I don't know. It just makes me really feel weird, okay? You just messed up. We have got to get back to a place where we do what we know is right, because God, through his Holy Spirit, in our individual hearts said, this is not right. So we don't do it. When you seem extreme, obey. What that young man should have done on that oak tree was to realize I should have gone my way. Here's this old man saying, time to come home with me, my son. Time to celebrate. The angel said it. No, no. I'm sorry. What? No. No. I'm going home. No. Stay away. Are you serious? All right, all right, no no problem. Wow, well, I, I thought he was a good man. Whoa, uh, so much for being good. Would have been weird, wouldn't it? Rather extreme, like you cannot eat a drink. No! Why? I don't know. That's very strange. God's never told me I can't eat a drink. I don't know. He told me I can't. Just obey. Oh, your church, you cannot do what? Sounds a little extreme to me. I don't care. We just obey. When you are mistaken for unfriendly, obey. Oh, so we want your kids to come and be part of this thing. And and your heart just says, uh -uh. "Uh." you know, actually, we're not going to be able to come. And your kids says, like, why, mom? Why? Why? And the real reason is, I don't know. Something in me just says, don't do it. I don't know why. And you're like, be quiet, be quiet. And this person says, oh, okay, uh, no problem. All right, well, maybe next time. Okay. And you feel like you've just offended them, you know? Just obey. You might miss out on the company function, because the Holy Spirit just put on your heart, don't go. Just that little bit of a eee. when you are charged with being proud, obey. I can't eat with you. I'm sorry. Oh, you don't want to eat with me." I don't I just can't eat with you. Oh, you think you're better than all of us Israeli prophets. I understand. No, 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 no. Uh, no, I just, I, I really, I just can't, okay? Uh, no, no problem. <laughs> Uppity ups, no problem. Yeah, we're just little Israel here, not in Jerusalem. <laughs> no problem. Go ahead, go ahead. You're proud. When you are ostracized, obey. Nobody wants to talk with Heritage Baptist people anymore. They have these big crusades and we're just Heritage Baptist people. It's okay. Obey. When you feel like your, 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 your family is more and more isolated, it's just us, you know? We're the last family who doesn't do such and such. We're the last family who doesn't participate in such and such. And I don't even know Why? Your dad said no. He doesn't even know why. Obey. When it makes life difficult, obey. It's hard to find that kind of clothes. Yep. Do you know the styles today? Yep. It's very hard. It would be so much easier if we just, yep, obey. When the Holy, speaks to you, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and troubles your heart about something, don't let any old prophet anywhere sway you. Because to God, it's very serious. His judgment is gonna fall upon us as a nation because we as his people, individually, have violated over and over in many small ways to us, his promptings. Turn with me your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 14, please. Your church is going to come under great, great fire You are going to look peculiar, even compared to other Christian denominations, if you do what God tells you to do. But that's okay. Young people, don't fight your daddy. Don't demand answers from your little mother. She doesn't have all the answers. You argue and articulate your point of view far better than she does. When she says, take that off, don't put your hair like that. What? What? Where does the Bible say that? Don't put your hair like that. I don't like how you wear your hat. Oh, there's Deuteronomy 14, huh? What is this? Exodus somewhere? Put your hat on the first one. Why does the Bible say that? It doesn't. Put it the right way. Why? Because I said so. Let me tell you what your mama's doing right there. Let me tell you what your ba- daddy's doing it there. They are fighting a war, trying to get you to, to do what they, they can't even tell what the Holy Spirit is saying. He's under your authority, make him do right. And they're, they're worried because you're doing something that making them feel uneasy. And if only they could tell you, if only they could sit down with a piece of paper and draw it out and show you from history how hats are supposed to be worn and show you right there, paper, there's a the chapter and verse. They could, they could they, could they, they, they could, they would, but they can't. They're just trying to do right. And it's so easy for them just to say, oh, just whatever, whatever. I think it looks terrible. Well, I kind of like it. You just caused your mommy to sin. I'll show it to you in a moment. Romans 14, shall we? Romans 14. When you're listening to that music, I mean, when that next track comes on, do we still have CDs? Whatever, however it works. When the next one comes on, And there's just something about it. You can't even really define it. Just something that bothers your spirit. Skip it. Every time. Delete it from the playlist. And when your kid says, or your spouse says, What? What's wrong? I like that one. It doesn't matter. What's wrong with it? I don't even know myself. Something's wrong with it. Well, explain to me, what's wrong with the meter? Are there too many half notes? What's wrong with it? I don't know. I'm not a musician. I just want to do right. And something in my spirit says, this does not glorify Jesus. I'm going to skip it. Romans 14. This chapter right here is a very, very important chapter in the Bible because this chapter is telling us how to deal with things that the Bible doesn't directly address. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another that who is weak eateth herbs. So we have two different people here. One who eats anything, the other guy says, no, I only eat herbs. Who's right? Verse 3 says, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him that which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. So right here we have two people. Both are doing what they feel is right. This guy can eat anything. No no problem. What's wrong with meat? God gave us meat. This guy says, What do you think you're doing? It's gonna hurt your body. Just eat herbs. Who's right? He says, he doesn't tell us. He never tells us he was right. He never says it. He just says, The guy that who who who, who eateth should not despise him that eateth not. What is wrong with you? This steak is so good. You shouldn't do that. And let not him that he eateth and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. Example number two, verse five. One man esteemeth one day above another. Folks, this this is another of the myriad of reasons why the Jehovah's Witnesses are totally wrong. If you're not familiar with their doctrine, this right here, they completely, just totally violate the scripture right here, right now. You can celebrate birthdays. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Here we go. (laughs) One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not, doth he not, doth not, Regard it. He that eateth eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He eateth not to the Lord. He eateth not, and giveth God thanks. What that just told us there was this: somebody else may be allowed to drink water. Don't hate him. God might have told another prophet, go ahead and eat and drink. What I'm saying is, I don't know. I'm not God. What bothers your heart may legitimately not bother somebody else's heart. So they can go to that activity. That doesn't mean you can I'm not advocating here that we all look at each other and saying, are you drinking water? God said until again, I get can't drink water. Well, God didn't say that to him. Today, I'm not trying to get our eyes on everyone else. I'm trying to get our eyes square on ourselves. And say, Lord Jesus, when you convict my heart about something in my life, for me and for those underneath my authority, going to do it, no matter who else has the same premonition or not. I 100% believe this. Verse number five is a vital verse in the Bible. That last part is incredibly important. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. What that just commanded you to do was to think through issues. You're supposed to try to figure out why That's wrong to do. You're supposed to think it through, saying, Why does it bother me? Think it through and be fully persuaded in your own mind. But when you have not reached that level where you can explain it to the nth degree yet, you still should not violate the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your heart finish this with the last few verses here. Look at verse 22 and verse 23. You can go ahead and read this at home, and I, I, I truly encourage you to meditate on Romans 14. But verse 22 says this. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is the man. Happy. Happy. You want to be happy? I'll show you how to be happy. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth, uh uh-oh, is damned if he eat. Your friend might be able to eat. The other families, every other family in this church may be able to eat that in good conscience, including the pastors. But if you cannot, if you have any doubt in your mind that it's something you are supposed to be doing, then when you participate in it, you have just damned yourself. And it tells you why. Because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So here's what we have then, folks. This is a call for this church as individuals to listen to the Holy Spirit of God in the faith that that Holy Spirit of God will bring harmony, not contention, will bring humility, not haughtiness, will bring a sense of mission and unity to this church. And if you're not careful and you ignore the lessons of this young man of God, you are going to sin over and over and over because you will begin to slowly participate in things that this community, the other parents of the children your kids hang out with think are okay, and for you it'd be sin. I happen to believe personally that if we all were to listen to the Holy Spirit of God, we would see a lot that is exactly the same. Of course it's wrong to do this. Of course it's wrong to participate in that. Of course, it's just obvious. Why? We all know it. We all know it. Show me chapter and verse. I not there probably is. I imagine there is. You know what's interesting? Is that today we, we, we criticize our forefathers for not having made up these incredibly intricate reasons why certain things. And I'll tell you why they didn't do that. They were fighting other battles. They were leading other causes. They were trying to lead people to Christ. And there was no reason to prove that because everyone knew that that was wrong or that was right. They knew it. Why do we have to prove it? Young people, let me just tell you something. Your parents have never thought much about why a man and a man cannot get married. They've never thought about it because it's never even been something that was even a possibility in all of human history. And for you to now go to your school and get all these reasons why love and acceptance and all this kind of stuff, your parents are like, we don't do that. Why we don't do that? That's just wicked. What? It's just not what. Well, just I'm just. I just. No, no. Yes, ma'am. So we're trying to figure out why. Until we figure out why, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. If you don't know in your heart that it's right, don't do it. I've had different times where some men who I respect have done things that I don't have any problem with. They, they've, they've decided, I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry? We had a man in Beijing. Years well, ago, we're doing Christmas time. I need a Joseph. Somebody who cannot act. We've got a handful of people. Joseph just has to stand behind Mary. Some little baby doll, you know, in Mary's arms. And then the shepherds come in, do all this acting, and they have all these, these parts, and this guy. So I pick the guy for the part. And I say, Brother Mark, that was his English name. I said, Brother, can you do this for me? I don't know, Brother. Okay, I'll try. He does his thing, you know, he's working, he's got this little rag on his head, you know, he's doing this thing. And Afterwards, Pastor, I just don't feel right because I'm not married to that girl. Of course you're not married to her. You're neither of you are married well, I just don't think we're not really married, so I shouldn't have... All right, Mark, we'll find somebody else. Can you be a wise man? <laughs> I hope he never changes. I hope that one day he figures out I can be that. But any time his conscience does bother him, it doesn't matter that pastor is going to roll his eyes again. All right. What you cannot do this time, I just want him to do right, sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.